0: You know, many of you have asked, how can I support the show even further? Well, here's the answer. Visit teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. Check out all the incredible content that Coach Collins has at teachhoops.com. But again, teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. Support the show and learn and grow at the same time. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my
1: co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games. Again, it can be their time as a head coach, as a JV coach, a college coach, a high school coach, beating John Combs in games, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game.
0: Well, you know, we have great coaches, we've had great coaches, we've had great directors of operations, or is it director of operations? I don't know what the plural of that is. We've had assistant coaches, we've had coaches that are no longer in coaching, and now we have an athletic director from here in the heart of South Carolina. And I will challenge you, Chris Blasio, I don't know if we've had a better golfer on the Greatest Games Podcast and our guest today. He's the Drear High School Athletic Director, Jeff DiBattisto. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. It's quite the intro from you two.
2: I appreciate it.
1: Well, I will say I am not the greatest golfer because I played like trash on freaking Saturday. <laughs> What'd you shoot? I shot a 99. Okay. Yeah, we, we had to wait for the frost to lift. We weren't able to tee off until about 10 a.m. and it was just freezing cold and soaking. Rock shot an 82 though.
0: Debo, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm hearing a lot of excuses. Is that what you're hearing too, or?
1: Yeah, those uh, those don't play down here. Do you guys have frost warnings in South Carolina to wait to get on the golf course? I don't think so.
2: <laughs> I mean, that sounds like it's your choice to live where you live, Blas. <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: gonna we're gonna turn this into the more of a of a life coaching, Chris Blasio. So tell us why do you? I'm just kidding. We're not gonna do that to you. <laughs>
2: what do you shoot, Coach? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm in the single
1: digits. Really?
2: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So nice. I, it's an activity that uh, I've actually really uh, started to enjoy with my son. He's seven and uh, he plays a lot of junior golf. So oh, nice. time nice. that we can spend together. Um, as you know, the demands of all the jobs that we do, um, mm-hmm. just one of the things that we can share and, and spend that time together. So it's cool. cool. I've enjoyed it.
1: I th- I always think uh, Rose could be a single digit handicap if he played enough. I think he has the game within him, but he just is not a consistent enough player. It's a no question. Rose, uh, he, he's way better than he lets on too. Yeah, oh no, absolutely. He will never admit that he's any good.
0: But yeah, you know, it's and I wish I just cared. I just don't care.
1: No, I know that's what <laughs> it is. You got to care and you got to play. I get it. I care and I play and I still stink. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. What does that say? Well, coach, why don't you take us through uh, for the listeners, not for me or Brian, but for the listeners, take us through your journey in uh, basketball and how you got to where you are today as the uh, athletic director at or high school. Ooh,
2: um, long winding journey. Um, I, I've luckily been uh, in the area or else I'd have serious moving bills. I've, I've had several jobs. Um, I, I make the joke before others can. Um, But I started, uh, I came down to school at Carolina, Um, obviously know you guys from there, was a manager under Coach Fogler, Um, realized about halfway through my college career uh, as a manager that I wanted to get into coaching, promptly switched my major, took me a little bit longer, five-year plan, and when it was time to graduate, you know, I I was naive enough to think, uh, because, you know, you're in the SEC and everything appears to be very easy. Um, and we learned later on that it certainly isn't that I would just hop into a college job, um, and how stupid and naive that was. So, uh, I was able to get an assistance job at, at airport high school for one season, and I was a substitute teacher. We were, uh, I worked for John Pappas, got, gave me my first job, um, love, love coach Pappas. Uh, we promptly were let go after that season, uh, and, uh. Was lucky enough uh, to, to move on to Gardner-Webb up in North Carolina, who's uh, in the Big South. I was there for a couple of years as an assistant. Uh, I got out of coaching for a year and did sales, realized that was not what I wanted to do. And uh, so after Gardner-Webb was in sales for a year and then uh, was an assistant coach at Miami-Dade down in Florida um, at, at one of the largest schools in the country and, and one of the best junior colleges uh, in the country. I was there for And with the, with the
1: great Butch Estes.
2: That is correct. He's an absolute legend. Um, he, he is a fantastic basketball coach. Um, I learned a ton from him um, and had the opportunity to be around some really good players. Uh, shared an office with a guy who's uh, head coach at Arkansas State right now. Does a great job, Mike Pilato. Learned a lot from him and, and certainly a lot from Butch. So, had a great experience there. Got offered a head coaching job. While I was down there in Charleston, South Carolina at Bishop England, I wasn't sure I was going to take it. And uh, Butch at the time told me that at some point you got to learn to make your own decisions. Uh, I I think you should take that job. And then if little, little do we know how much that is of making your own decisions. And uh, and so uh, he said, if you ever want to come back, the door is open. And so off I went to Charleston, South Carolina. There are a lot worse places you can live in America than Charleston, South Carolina. I was the head coach at Bishop England for five years, uh, five great years. I also coached a little golf there. That's a very uh, subjective term, coaching golf. It's one of the greatest gigs you can ever have in America, is being a high school golf coach, especially with a good program. I drove the bus, handed out Gatorade, and mostly stayed out of the way. Uh, But I had a, a great experience there. I started to get some administrative experience there. As an assistant AD uh, under Paul Rooney. And that kind of pushed me to think about that where I hadn't thought about it before. And at that point, I kind of decided that I didn't want to go back to college coaching. I, I liked the high school uh, atmosphere and, and what it brought and the opportunity to help young people. So I stayed with that. Um, eventually, a, a life change uh, moved to Augusta and finished up my master's and, and couldn't find any coaching, uh, coaching jobs there in Augusta. Uh, my wife got a job opportunity there. So we moved there and uh, ended up getting a job offer to be the athletic director at Cardinal Newman. So I ended up taking that. Uh, I was an AD for two years. And then the coaching bug hit me again. Again, you're following the moving truck story here. It's, it's got, you know, the wheels never really stop turning. And uh, I moved on to Drear High School. Uh, to be the basketball coach there for three years. Uh, and then after three years there, uh, great run there, had, had an awesome experience, uh, had the opportunity to work with Jason Powell at Westwood and took the basketball job at Westwood high school for two years. Uh, and just gosh, what a great place that is. Um, and then opportunity came to be an athletic director again. And it was going back to Dreer where I knew a lot of people and, and uh, felt very com- comfortable. So here I am uh, in the COVID world trying to
1: figure out how to play sports. Well, one thing I want to say before I ask your question is uh, my brother is a high school golf coach, and he always talks about how it is the greatest job in America. And he doesn't even have a good program, but he says everything you dislike or could dislike about high school sports, you don't have to deal with, with golf. Up here where we are in Jersey, you don't play on the weekends because the, the county courses are too packed. You don't play in bad weather. There's no officials. There's no parents on the course. Everybody plays and you just count the top four scores. So you don't have to worry about, but he's like literally everything that sucks about coaching high school sports. You don't have to worry about as the golf coach.
2: I think, I think that's a great point. I think the piece that I, I really uh, identify with there is your score is your score.
1: That's it. No, right. You, there's no, not, I didn't play the key, not enough playing right. time. not.
2: <laughs> yeah. And they all play the same golf course. Right. So, yep. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. And there's some, uh, there's some objectiveness in there that I think often is lost in some other sports or isn't, isn't valued enough. So uh, your performance dictates your result and uh, and there's not somebody else deciding that for you. They're not mm-hmm. deciding your playing time. And so uh, I enjoyed that piece of it. Again, you you know, kids are kids. They find ways to argue it. But, you know, (laughs) last I checked, I'm not very bright. I went to Carolina, but 38 is less than 39. So you're going to play one and he's going to play two. (laughs)
1: Uh, What I wanted to ask you, so yours is interesting. You bounced a little back and forth between administration and coaching, administration coaching. This is a little bit of a weird question. What's the one thing – you wish every one of your coaches knew about your job as AD daily, like something you could really tell them be like, guys, listen, blank. I don't know. I just made this question up. So I don't know if it yeah, makes sense. No,
2: I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I, I see it daily. That's actually a great question. Uh, I think the one thing that um, I would love for them to understand is that your issue is not the only issue on my desk. And your issue is the biggest issue to you because it impacts your program. And so you're solely focused on that. I may be focused on seven different sports and the things that they have going on. So while I may not be as responsive as you want me to be, there's usually a reason for it. So, you know, and, and again, I, I try not to get too, too, too mad at coaches for that, because if you haven't sat in that chair, you know, it's tough to have that perspective.
0: And that's the thing, I, Chris, that's a great question coming from an AD. It, I mean, it, the thing is trying to get coaches to understand what it's like <laughs> to be an AD, why we tell them the things that we tell them over and over and over again. And then like you just said it, Jeff, until they sit in that chair, they have no idea. And it's like being a head coach for a program. You have no idea as an assistant coach. I know I thought I've got all the answers. I know everything that we need to do. But moving over those 18 inches, that's the hardest move to make, you know? It's just so that's I, I love that question so much, Chris. But Jeff, I want to take you back to that, that point where you made that decision to stay in high school. You had worked at some very good colleges, you were very successful, you'd gotten a reputation, as Butch said, hey, if you ever want to come back, I'll hire you in a minute. So you were working your tail off as a great college coach. But what was it really about you saying? yes, I want to stay in high school. What was it about making that decision that had you stay at the high school level?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and I think it's a, it's a massive grind, especially the two places, you know, I was at, um, you know, you're not making a whole lot of money and you're at that age trying to climb the ladder a little bit or, or a lot. Um, and you guys know that, I mean, you're, you're in that business and you've done it. So um, you your are it's a, it's work as much as you possibly can. And that's almost the mindset in college basketball. It's, it's how hard can you possibly work to show other people that you're doing the work? Um, and, and that'll get you to where you want to go. Um, and I kind of went off on a side tangent there, but, but back to why I stayed in high school, I, I think the ability to impact their lives at such a crucial time in their life. And I think it takes me back to when I was growing up, um, my parents had, had gone through a divorce and, and um, you know, I, I think that maybe I lacked a little bit of the uh, father figure uh, guidance that I was looking for at that time in my life. And so I always look back to that time and say, gosh, if, if I had someone that maybe could have guided me in that direction um, you know, maybe this happens or maybe that happens. And, And I thought, Maybe I'm that person for somebody else who needs that. So um, that's kind of what guided me in that direction, I guess. To to answer it bluntly,
1: that is blunt. You are right. <laughs> we had someone else. That's no point that, in
2: sugarcoating it, De Blasio.
1: That we had someone else that said that, Brian. Something about impact. Uh, who was it? A couple of weeks ago, made that same point about. The difference between college and and high school coaching. It was someone that had been back and forth and said that same thing about impacting kids at the crucial point. Not that college is crucial, but high school is so vital in the development of young people. Like, I wish I remember.
0: Well, I'll tell you, episode 47, Frank Martin, that was a high school coach and a college coach. And he he mentioned the point about once they get. Was it him? Was it
1: that long ago? Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, basically, that. There's just a little bit of an inch that he, that he he can push them just a little bit as a college as a college player, but but you're right. I think as they're so impressionable, much more impressionable as 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 high school kids.
2: Listen, there there were a couple of times in my first couple of years of high school coaching where I was looking around, going, man, "I'll take those college players, though. <laughs> <laughs> my guys can't make a shot. Those guys, when I was coaching in college, man, they can make shots."
0: <laughs> but, uh, no, but it's what's it's, the
1: difference it's, between it's, college it's, basketball, uh, high school, and college basketball, Rosefield?
0: The great earning what the the ability to make layups,
1: the ability to make layups, one footers,
0: yes, and use your <laughs> left hand consistently.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coach, uh, so again, I'm going to go back to the AD coach thing. Um, when do you feel it appropriate, or how do you counsel your coaches on dealing with parents? And when is your time to get involved?
2: Ooh.
1: Um.
2: So I, I think uh, I think my perspective changed becoming a parent for sure, and and I always heard people say that, and it was all right, yeah, sure. It's just kind of like when you have a kid and people say, well, it'll change your life. Okay, great. I don't have any kids, but it does. It it truly does. I I think I always, I always counsel uh, our coaches on try to understand it from somebody else's perspective first. Don't immediately get defensive, which is difficult to do because our coaches pour their hearts into what they do, right? So, when someone questions it or calls them dumb or tells them they don't know how to coach or all the things that are involved in, you know, that, that our coaches here, just, just try to take a step back, take a deep breath and, and look at it from their perspective. That doesn't mean you ultimately have to agree. You're in charge of your program. If you've got a solid foundation and what you believe in, and you've got solid reasons, then stick to your guns. But, one, look at it from their perspective and two, communicate with them. If you are avoiding parents constantly, that is going to cause you more problems than if you just dealt with the situations head on. And then I think the last thing is be honest. You know, they may not like what you hear um, and they may not want to hear it on that particular day, but most of the time they're going to value you telling them the truth. Um when do I get involved? We have a policy that we want our athletes to talk to our coach first. If they don't get the response, whatever they feel they should get, then if mom and dad want to have a conversation with the coach, then that happens. And then it's a chain of command thing. If they're unhappy with what goes on with the coaches, then, then I'm certainly willing to take a meeting with them. But I will tell the parents two things. One, uh, well, two, three things. One has your child talked to the coach. I want to know that first. Two, have you spoken to the coach before you came to me? And then three, I'd be happy to talk to you about anything but playing time. We're not going to talk about playing time because that's not my area. Um, I'm not the expert in that particular sport, and that is not my program. I'm not there every day. So it's not my place to make those kind of decisions or judgment calls. That's why we have a coach, and that's why we hired him.
1: Is that, uh, sorry, I just want to jump on that again. Is that policy um, explicitly written down anywhere? Is it something that the coaches give to the kids and parents to the beginning of the year when they give out like materials or anything? Like how explicit is that? We
2: have an expectation that you either have a, a, a team handbook or an expectation, we call it expectation sheet or, or sure. uh, something like that where, yes, you can refer back to it.
1: Okay. But, yeah. Just, uh, you know,
2: the reminder I have for a lot of them, Chris, is that um, you know what you put on paper, you're going to have to enforce. So make sure you've clearly thought it out.
0: And follow up question: Can I get a copy of that? I'm just kidding. I'm
2: just kidding. <laughs> you and I have shared multiple documents throughout the years, my friend. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, oh, and I think that's how you. I mean, I think that's how you grow. I mean, there's there's one. There's no sense in reinventing the wheel. And and two, if you're Constantly in that growth mindset, why wouldn't you want to learn from other ads and, and see how other people do it?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially during these times, there's uh, there's a million different ways to sanitize that basketball. If, if, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Might be the funniest thing you've ever said.
2: I, we actually, I don't know if you had the opportunity to, uh, to spray down your volleyball net this year, but that's quite the. Uh, <laughs> how
1: do you spray yeah. down a net? It's we have an, going we, we it. have an electrostatic
2: sprayer. <laughs> that is correct, sir, and it takes five minutes.
0: And you will you will let it dry for five minutes. <laughs> well, uh, I, 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 yeah, well, we're, I'm going to leave that one alone I, <laughs> I'm about sanitation at this point. As, as our as as our friend Coach Fogler said, true story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Coach Fogler
0: trying to get I'm Matt on this podcast oh. is like taking an act of Congress. He will not <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, Rose has no. tried
1: to get Matt to come on and do it.
2: I had, I texted him after uh, I can't remember I think it was Coach was Coach Fogler it was Coach Fogler that talked about it yeah. um, and uh, I can't remember but anyway and uh, wanted to I texted Mac and said it was time for him to come on and he's he's fighting it
0: <laughs> we'll we'll get him on we we've got some uh, we've got some ways that we can get him on but episode fifty Coach Fogler. <laughs> That was a great interview. And, uh, yeah, Matt Cradell, we're, we're going to get <laughs> you on this podcast. Episode
1: 100 Matt Crudell.
0: That's right. I, I think Matt Crudell and Coach Fogler is the episode. That's right. Oh, that,
1: you, you just you can, turn the mic on to, and sit back.
2: I mean, you could sell tickets to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In the COVID world, they have to be electronic, but you could sell <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. The lady Hume, sorry. Hometown getting on board for that one too, but uh, you're welcome, hometown, for that plug. But hey, I think we have actually have a great product, they do a great job. So if you're listening to this, give them a call. But you know, going back to this helping kids, this is something that that I run into as an ad uh, like I'm the disciplinarian, right? Um, at what point, you know, we're, we're all here trying to help kids, right? And my, my thing about our coaches is we talk about helping kids grow through sports, that's that's kind of what we do, that's our mission statement, helping them grow but and we want to be able to help them out but at what point do we need to I don't know how to ask this other than there's something about accountability here you know when a kid does something that's just not not a great decision when do we hold them accountable and when do we say hold on we'll call them in the office and say that's not how you do things now get back out there and do it again you know where where is that line and I know it's this is this is a tough question but am I making any sense what I'm asking there Debo
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm going to answer it this way. And again, I'll I'll throw it back to you. I don't know if this is, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I, the, the one word that kept coming up in that, in, in, when you were asking that winding roundabout question was, uh, was relationships. Um, and I think that dictates almost everything you do in our business. So, if that coach has a, has a relationship and has built a relationship that's not based on fear, that doesn't have a dictator element to it, that is based on true, genuine care for the best interest of that kid, then I think that coach understands when it's time to do that because they know how that kid responds to certain things. They know that there may be a situation in his past where he's not going to respond to you screaming at him. You may know something about his life that's going to lead you to say, you know what, I I need to to give that kid a hug um, instead of suspending him for two games. And then there are times um, where in order for him to grow and for him to have the best opportunity to succeed when he or she is an adult, they need to be suspended for a game or they need to be removed from practice or they need to have something taken away from them so that when it gets really hard in their life, they understand there are consequences for their actions. So I think if you go into it with, I'm going to do the absolute best job I can as a coach, as an athletic director, which we have talked about is admittedly difficult to build relationships with every kid in our program, regardless of ability level. I think then we start to figure out, um, that these kids are thirsting uh, for that accountability. They want someone to care about them and they respond. But if you do it without a relationship, then you're giving them orders. You're not genuinely trying to help them grow. That's just my opinion.
1: Mm -hmm. Brian, I'm going to go completely off the rails here because I love having Coach on and, and this question that you just asked is me thinking of a story. And I want to bring you guys into the scenario and tell me what you would have done. So years ago, Brian, when I was at Crestkill, we would coach the, uh, the middle schoolers in like AAU Debo at this one school I had. So we would have a relationship with the kids before they got into the high school program. And I was the freshman team coach. And uh, we had this one kid who was a great kid came from a great family. And uh, in September, his mother and father came to myself And the head coach and said, listen, um, we know over winter break, there's a tournament that we play in. However, we as a family are going to Ireland to visit my wife's grandmother, who's in her 90s. We don't know if we're ever going to see her again. We made the decision to go as a family. Um, We know he's going to miss. Practice time, and he's going to miss two games. We just wanted to let you know before we even get into the season. And so, my head coach and I sat down and discussed if what and if we would do anything about that. Uh, I just throw the scenario out to you guys. What would you do with that young man?
2: I'm on the spot first, Brian. Yeah, you're, just, you're the
0: guest. I mean, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm, there's no reason for me to jump in first on that one.
2: So so I think that – I think, one, um, I'd like to know more about the circumstances surrounding the visit with the family member. I think that may play a role in it too. It was
1: was an elderly family member in their 90s, lived in Ireland, was, you know, never coming to the U.S. or anything like that.
2: Right. You know, if it's my son, uh, we're not taking that trip um, probably during the season because he Mm -hmm. made a
1: commitment to his team. Well like I said they came to us long before the season. They came to us in September and explained the situation to us and they said the parents also said we're we're willing to accept whatever your decision is regarding this.
2: Okay. So <clears throat> then ooh that's a great question. Um if I had that situation as a as a basketball coach Certainly the missed practice time. Um, we, we don't call it punishment. You, you would have to make up the time that you missed because your teammates were practicing. So what you missed in conditioning would have to be made up. Um, I, I'd, have to, I'd have to figure out what I would do about those two games. I think if you take the approach of throwing the baby out with the bathwater and you're just done and you're going to be suspended four games because you went on a vacation, is that really benefiting the kid and the team? Um, I think not. Um, but is it a, you know, the, the rest of the kids did make a sacrifice and they are there during that break. Um, so does, does Jim have an opportunity to earn the playing time that Tom left when he went over to Ireland? you like, what I did with some of the Irish names. And, uh, and so, you know, what do you, how do you, how do you treat that? Um, and, You know, it may be that he loses some of his his playing time just because guys were there when he wasn't. Now, that's not punishing him for going on a trip. That's you miss four days of practice. And this guy had a great practice and he took 10 of your minutes. You know, by the way, we're going to condition after regular practices for the four that you missed. Um, If it's a habitual thing, um, and he's consistently missing, then that's a totally different conversation. But I will well, that was, throw it to Ryan. What's that?
1: Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, the hard thing to explain to me is this was the best – not the best player, the best kid, a leader – A selfless kid, you know, first to practice, did everything like he was the he was the quintessential type of kid you would want to coach, which made the decision that much more difficult because we had already known that about this kid, because like I said, we had built this relationship with this kid and he was he eventually went on to be the three year starter at quarterback for the football team. I mean, he was like the quintessential kid. So that's what made it more difficult for uh, when we were making the decision.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's not an easy one. Um, and if you were the coach sitting in my office and I was the AD, I would have to trust what you thought was best for your program. But but I do not believe in you can't play on the team. And I've seen that before. If you right. go on vacation, you're done. I, I just, I don't agree with that. I, I just, I don't see how that's beneficial. But I think there's got to be uh, some sort of makeup for for what you missed.
1: Okay. What do you think, Brian?
0: Yeah. See, I think I would have been that, that you're done coach early in my career. It was <coughs> by where the highway, very black and white binary type thinking and, or come up with some just crazy formula. You missed, you know, 493 minutes of practice. So now you're going to do 493, which is mm. silly, you know, um, and I think what what Jeff is is saying is so true. It's just situation by situation, what's fair is fair. You you might just got have gotten beat out. I'm not I'm not punishing you, but this kid is now further along in his advancement this season. So now you're just not going to play as much. Still love you to death, but I'm also coming at it from a guy that well, a I love Ireland, but b I love travel, and I know the value of experiences in traveling for me. And so for high school kids to get out of the United States and go to see something different, I think. Kind uh, of, I'm kind of torn on that one now. As I'm, as I'm in my 40s, you know. But I, you know, 20 years ago, I would not have said that. I'm mean, going. Wait a minute, what are you doing? What do you mean, what do you mean you're going to miss practice in a game? <laughs> what so, I hear
2: there, Chris, if you don't mind me interrupting, yeah. what I hear there, and I was like that, Brian, is that uh, early in your career, and much like me, um, I, I can only speak for myself, but uh, it was about me, and I made those things about me, how could you miss my practice? How could you do that? When in reality, it's none of this should ever be about us. It should be about them. Um, And that kind of, you know, that leads little theme wise to, I think what we're going to discuss tonight, but at the same time, you know, that kid's
1: got a chance to go to Ireland, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just quickly, what we decided was that he missed two games. So he would miss the next two games when he came back, but it would be, we weren't calling it a suspension. He was in uniform on the bench. And like you said, Jeff, he had to earn back his playing time for the next game, you know, after the two that he had to sit, he was not guaranteed his playing time going forward that he had previously had whatever he had previously earned. And he was a great kid. He earned it right back because of the type of kid he was. I mean, the two games that he had to sit, the kid was at the head of the bench. He was calling out plays timeout rang. He ran over and got water for the other kids, you know? So it was like, it, but, but then we explained to the parents and the kid, and the, like I said, the parents were very understanding. They said, yeah, we made a decision. We understand we've made a decision to take him out of the season for this period of time. And, and, you know, whatever the, the, not, it's not like consequences. I don't think is the right word, but.
2: No, I think, I think decisions is a, is a way to put that without adding a punitive piece to it. Right. Um, everybody makes decisions and then um, there are things that occur based on decisions.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and try to make it a, you know, try not to make it a negative, but also applaud the parents for allowing their child to accept responsibility. Uh, and, and they took their own piece of responsibility for it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: That's what, but so, so that's, that's why that that's kid was the type of kid he was perfect. because, yeah. Yeah. you know, apple trees make apples.
2: Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And 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 it goes back to again the overarching theme of uh, well, high school basketball wasn't the be all and end all of this kid and this family's existence.
0: Exactly. Right. That's right. Well, you mentioned it, Coach D. about your greatest games, and this is a different slant, and I love it talking about the experiences of taking high school teams to just some incredible places in the basketball world, and the basketball sphere, pun intended, if you will. So tell us about your greatest games and your greatest experiences. Well,
2: first, real quick, uh, and Brian, I'm sure you know exactly what episode number this is. I can't believe you can recite them like that. That's awesome. Good for you. But So Mike Anderson, I'm sure will listen to this, and I have never and will never forget the game when they came down uh, with their three busloads of kids. Uh, And beat us in the state playoff game. Mike is a fantastic basketball coach and has done an awesome job at Greenville. But I'm telling you, I was sitting in the carpool line, getting ready to pick up my son from school, listening to Mike Anderson retell that story, and my blood was boiling. (laughs)
1: windows up luckily so when i was screaming nobody could hear me that was Um, one where it wasn't his busload their fans were like late they got like lost coming down there
2: (laughs) i'm telling you they they had three busloads they came in and it uh it changed the momentum of the game i mean it, it really did and we still had a chance to win at the end um and it's just one of those games that you know you're never gonna forget but um man it was Uh, You know, and that's that's why sports are amazing. I mean, it was a negative outcome for us, but I'll never forget it, you know, and uh, having having to relive that and listen to it. um, You know, I know, Brian, I sent you a text after and I was just fired up sitting in a. Our pool line in elementary school <laughs> <laughs> to get right back to it so um anyway I, I got off tangent there but Mike Anderson I, I will not forget that one um and we did go back up there at Westwood a couple years later and beat him and I, I thank him for for mentioning that one because that was an awesome game too um he, he is he's really good coach and, and done a really good job so um you know, I think it, again, uh, goes back to the theme of who, who and what is this ultimately about. And um, my belief uh, is that this high school or the, uh, was uh, with when I was coaching, that the experience should be more than just just basketball. And if it is in the basketball realm, let's give our kids something that they're always going to remember. Um, They may not always win the region. They may not always win a state championship. They might be 3-18. and But 10 years from now, they're going to remember that trip that they took um, or that experience that they had together. And so um, it really started uh, my first high school head coaching job in Charleston at Bishop England. A guy you guys know very well, John Combs, pitched the idea to me um, of us playing in Madison Square Garden when he was the head coach at Ridgeview. And so I was at Bishop England. I went to my AD. He looked at me like I had four heads. I had to convince him that it was a great trip for our kids. Um, We were able to get the parents on board and then we, you know, we added a service element to it. And uh, and I know both groups raised some money for pediatric cancer research because it was the coaches versus cancer classic up there. I know you guys were both, uh, involved in that as well, unfortunately on the losing end of that, but you were there.
1: Ooh. And, uh,
2: and uh, we talked about it prior, sorry. Uh, so uh, <laughs> a, a shot at the buzzer that probably 12 people saw. Um, but it was a, it was a super cool experience. Um, so <clears throat> we, we were able to go to the two college games the night before at Madison square garden. And then that day, um, you know, we went to, I know uh, us in Ridgeview, you guys were there, uh, went to the ESPN zone together, had dinner. We went to the games. Uh, and then the next day, literally our kids are playing in Madison Square Garden and not old Madison Square Garden before the Reno. Um, and it doesn't matter if there was nobody in there. And and there were people and their families were allowed in. A, a my, dad is,
1: was, my dad was there.
2: Mine was as well. <laughs> and uh, kids are never going to forget shooting baskets in Madison square garden doesn't matter if the game counts doesn't count it's just something they're never gonna gonna forget and I've got kids now that are that played on on those teams at Bishop England that are 25 26 27 whatever and they still talk about it you know hey coach have you taken a team to the garden where have you guys gone since you know and so yeah we we had good success at B but man that experience is something that they're always going to remember you know, um, we like to think that they're all going to remember the region championships, you know, outside of winning a state championship. I think a lot of that stuff tends to fade, but the experiences don't. So that kind of carried, uh, my thought process when I was at B we played, uh, we would, we played in the Charleston Roundball ball classic, which is a good event down there. Um, and it used to be played at the Citadel <clears throat> and every year, um, they'd ask, you know, and are you willing to? And my answer was always before they could say it, yes, I'm willing to. Who do you want us to play? Give us whoever you want. We want them. We don't want them local. We want them national. So, and again, chances of us winning that game, probably not great, but the experience of playing Seton Hall Prep out of New Jersey, playing Westchester out of LA, I mean, th- those are experiences that kids don't forget. So we took that on and, and uh, I realized that it was the way uh, for kids to, to really embrace uh, the experience of being part of a team, um, especially when we were out of town. You know, that's one of those life experiences. Now, since they all play AAU and travel around the country, play travel baseball, soccer, they're everywhere every weekend, but that wasn't as prevalent. So it was kind of neat to do those things. Um, subsequently, uh, we have gone to uh, Charlotte to play in the Hornets Arena, uh we've done that twice which is a super cool experience you got to sell tickets to the game which mostly uh your parents are going to (laughs) buy and people are going to donate here's you know 20 bucks for a ticket i'm not going to go sit in the nosebleeds but here it is so you can go play there uh two teams play prior to the hornets game again in an nba arena and you know i i just think it's it's really neat um the one experience I thought was, was really cool. And again, I've got to give John Combs, it's tough to do, but I got to give him a lot of credit uh, as, as having the thought behind this um, was we took one of our Drear teams up to Oak Hill uh, to play like during the regular season on a weeknight. Uh, if you have not been to their gym uh, and not experienced playing in a game there, it's super cool. Uh, tiny, tiny place, uh, banners everywhere, college jerseys everywhere. Uh, the kids know the significance, but <clears throat> traditionally, year in and year out, your your kids are going to end up playing against somebody that's going to end up in the NBA. Uh, so they always have that to to carry with them. The year we went up there, they had Dwayne Bacon, who uh, gosh, last I checked, I think plays for the Hornets. Uh, he may have been traded, but um, is on the Hornets roster. And and we were lucky enough to have a really good player and Tevin Mack. So. The first quarter of that game was a barn burner, and it was awesome. Um, At one point, I think we were up 17-11. So as every coach does, I looked at my assistant coach while he was supposed to be helping me out and said, take a picture of that scoreboard immediately. Um, And then it uh, (laughs) it didn't get get any closer than that. Um, But our kids played hard. They had a great experience. um, And, you know, we took a bus trip out of town. And for high school kids going with their teammates like that, that's a big deal. Now I'll say this it takes a tremendous amount of commitment from everybody in your program to include your administration, to back that kind of stuff. Because as I sit in this chair now as an AD, it's a lot of work, you know, uh, to get a team out of town. Um, I helped uh, the beginning stages of, of a plan before I left Westwood to be an AD for us to go to the Bahamas to play in a Thanksgiving tournament, the Bahamas, Jason Powell, finished that plan off and executed it, but we were headed to the Bahamas the next year. I mean, that's an international trip. Those aren't things that um, that just happen. You know, you don't plan that three weeks before you go. So it's, I really need to be grateful to my, you know, former administrators and then um, parents and and everybody that was willing to help kind of put that stuff together. But the overarching theme is, Give kids something that they're going to remember. And you don't have to be a high dollar program with quote unquote deep pockets to make these experiences meaningful. You have to be willing to work. You have to be willing to raise money. Um, But you can do it and, and the kids won't forget it. So.
1: That's my thing. Great, <laughs> great stories. Uh, you talk about the Bishop England trip to Madison Square Garden against Ridview, but the, you, given John, we're giving John Combs way too much pub on this uh, this episode. But when we, we went up to Oak Hill, uh, and like you said, you know the overall the score of the game, what we got drilled. You know, uh, but I remember John Combs has this great uh, lob play against a zone defense from a side out of bounds. And we used to run it with Mike Green all the time, and we ran it out of the half. We were probably down thirty points at halftime, and we came out. We got the ball. We Mike Green inbounded it, and then goes and loops around for this alley oop, and he absolutely punched one. Oh, excuse me, (laughs) I just absolutely just absolutely punched one in Oak Hill's gym. And I know to this day, that's all he thinks about is that he got an alley oop dunk against Oak Hill. Again, what the Andy final score was, was what, Andy lost. Him. He that's it. right, Andy lost it. <laughs> every night. He thinks There's about two, it. Big memories for him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it's it, you're you're exactly right. I think that I think I've seen that lob play about forty two times. Eric <laughs> may still run it. It's that <laughs> one where they screen the top of the two three zone, and the guy tries to drive down the middle and throws a lob on the backside. Anyway, Eric, I've seen that play, I know <laughs> you're still... um but But uh, yeah, no, the experiences are are. Awesome. And
0: um, and and
2: you're right. Mike Green does remember that, and that's that's super cool.
0: Yeah, you know, Oak Hill Academy, uh, absolutely. I don't know if it's an energy going up those hills, if it's if it's Coach Smith, just the way his aura, or what's been built there, or like you mentioned, the banners, the the, jer- the
1: jerseys
0: there is something walking into that place that I'm feeling now that's just like, I'm, I'm somewhere special. This is not just your normal gym. And I remember walking in the first time thinking, Oh, this is a pretty cool practice gym. Where's their real gym? I know oh, this is where they play and they're going to beat your tail. And then and, and it happened, but it's just a super, super special place. And he's done a great job up there. He's just, he's, a, he's a special guy. And It's just, it's a, it's an incredible
2: place. They do. And, just, and, uh, and, man, I'm telling you what, when they tip that thing off and they've got three dudes that are 6'10 and <laughs> six, seven wings coming off the bench, you 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 find out real quick uh, what kind of program they've got. But I think the credit to them is that they treat everybody the same. Um, and I think that's a credit to to Coach Smith and how he runs his program, whether you're Dreer High School from Columbia, South Carolina, or you're one of the elite prep schools in the country. So I appreciate that about him.
0: that and the New York trip too. I mean, we. I mean, we're giving John a hard time, but episode four of this podcast, he, he's an ideas guy. Like, and, and for him to call you up and say, "Let's play in the garden." What was your first thought? It was like, what, what what at that point? Like, yeah, hey, I got an idea. We're gonna play in the garden. What was your thought at that point?
2: Yeah. So we all know John, and I know a lot of coaches. And and just a side note, like coaches in South Carolina. Um, oh, John, I think a lot of uh, a debt of gratitude for all the work he does with the coaches association. A lot of that stuff is a pain in the neck and, and he does it willingly. Um, but so John has had a lot of uh, crazy harebrained ideas over the years. So I just kind of you know, chalked it up to that. Um, and then you start to think about it and you're like, why not? Man, that's a great idea. And, and, and really that was the idea of you know, let's start giving them experiences. Why not do this? And it was such a success that, um, it was just like, let's keep doing stuff like this ah. as much as we can. And, and so it kind of snowballed from there, but yeah, no, I, I was like, after I kind of thought he was nuts, it was great idea. Let's try. Uh,
1: I, I don't mean to keep belaboring the point, but the experiences, Brian, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, we were sitting on the plane, we were just loading the plane and, maybe it's just, I didn't think of it. I'm in my mid thirties. Then I traveled all over the world, not all over the world, but been a lot of places. We had several kids who had never been on an airplane. Absolutely. And they said that to us, they were talking to us. They're like, I've never been on a plane before. I've never flown before, you know, 16, 17 years old. And I was kind of like, wow, mm-hmm. this is their first time on a plane.
0: Mm-hmm. And remember.
1: Everyone remembers their first time on a plane. Right. I mean,
2: yeah. Yeah. The perspective that, you know, the experience means something to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and down the runway and that thing lifts off. Cause I, I was six when I first flew and that plane lifts off and you hear from, like I guess they were behind us or ahead of us. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What? Huh, 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 huh. <laughs> just, just like, what in the world's happening? <laughs> just, it, right, it's, just, it's incredible. And this is one of those things yeah. you never forget.
2: It's uh, Again, you go back to the end of it. It's uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the ability to mold that's why we do what we do we're not getting rich doing it um you know what's your why
1: you know this palatial apartment we're not getting rich doing this
2: alice de blasio (laughs) with (laughs) the film in the background
1: uh all right coach we like to end here on a fun question i know your coaching days are over for right now but uh when you were coaching if i asked uh some guys that played for you, you down at Miami Dade, and, and some guys that played for you there at Dreer. And I asked them, What's the one thing Coach Debo says over and over again? What would be that one thing, that one phrase, that one saying?
2: You know, I love, I, I love your podcast. So I've listened to a lot of them uh, on my, especially on some morning gratitude walks that I go on. Um, and um, God, what in the world do I, I, so I got, I did a little straw poll to try to find out some of them are repeatable on here. Some are <laughs> not, uh, but the one I get the most, I, I don't know what it is, my mannerisms, but it was, are you serious? And I, I, I guess that was with my hands out, like, you know, palms kind of up, like, what are you doing? And, uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of funny, but it's also like, man, is that all they, you know, was,
1: is, it all <laughs> is that all they got for me? In those years? You
2: you know, are you serious? Um now I, that was directed at some of our uh referee friends in the Greater Columbia area, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, but uh but yeah, the that was one that I got back a good amount. Um and then you know there were a couple that are not 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 good for here. So
0: I think are you serious was the one. So we'll put the other ones behind the table <laughs> for the special episode. <laughs> The one that used to prize Mac Craddell and Coach Fogler when we get them on the podcast, so, Mac, we're coming after you. Um, like
2: we said, if you guys had some guests call in for that thing, it would just be.
0: Amazing.
2: <laughs> and and anybody that you know did not work with South Carolina basketball is in for an absolute treat if they've never listened to Mac Cradell. You'll learn more about the 1980 Gator Bowl and Coach Carlin. <laughs> the
1: 1980 Gator Bowl. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, it's amazing. You'll you'll hear yeah. all the theories uh, behind Gamecock Athletics, but that guy's one of a kind, and um, and is an influence on all of our lives. Uh, as much grief as we give him, uh, he's a he's a, a huge, huge part of it.
0: Yeah, well, we did. we give him a hard time, and and he's the, he's the best at staying in touch. And we mentioned him a lot on this podcast, but he was my first real boss, and what what a great guy to learn. Work ethic from I mean the guy that, that sleeps overnight <laughs> just to make sure the laundry's getting done and ready for the guys the next day. I mean you talk about dedication and care and loving what you're doing and then being selfless. I mean that's absolutely macro. Do so. anything for any of us at any time and wouldn't expect anything in return.
2: How many people do you know you know in this world or in your life that
1: are like that? Not many.
2: Mm-hmm. Not enough.
0: It's it's uh and I don't I don't know if it's a a days gone by thing, but we episode sixty nine with Phil Martelli just talking about just the. The, the good old days of basketball, people that want to give back to the game. And that's, you know, Mac was not a coach, but he was giving back to the game, to the kids, to the coaches, to the managers, to the, the GAs, whoever was around the fans. I mean, it was just uh, he, uh, when he was working, he's still alive and well and kicking, of course, but when he was working, he was just a giver he's still a giver. It's just an incredible guy. An incredible.
2: Guy. His first thing is always, how are you doing? You know, it's just, how's your family? Please tell them I said, hello. You ask him, "Oh, I'm fine." You know he doesn't want to talk about what's going on with him, and and uh, but to his credit, you know all of us that are involved or have been involved with South Carolina basketball, he's just he's a legend. So lucky to have him in our lives.
0: Yeah, he's the best. Well, Jeff, can't thank you enough for for doing this with us, and uh, this was this was great. This is going to help a lot of folks, and it's a great great for me to go back and relive those memories, those experiences that. That I was able to experience as a coach, but uh, reliving through the eyes of those kids. So appreciate you coming on. This yeah,
2: great. I hope it, I hope it inspires a young coach to do that for their kids and, and give them uh, give them those experiences. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. It's an awesome platform, and uh, and it gives coaches an opportunity to to share, learn, and um, and like you said, bring back some memories. So I hope you guys continue to do this. Um, it's it's really really awesome. So congratulations on all your success,
0: and thanks for having me. Appreciate that. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up for my co-host, Chris DeBlasio. Blasio. I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of the greatest games.